And the scripture text for this afternoon is Psalm 29. Hear now the reading of God's holy word. A Psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Sarion like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in His temple all cry, Glory! The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as King forever. May the Lord give strength to His people. May the Lord bless His people with peace. So far the reading of God's holy word. May He add His blessing to the preaching of it this afternoon. As we move on now to consider the third of the Ten Commandments, I would like to remind you of something that we learned a while ago. Some time ago we asked the question, What did God at first reveal to man for the rule of his obedience? Do you remember that question? And the answer was, the rule which God at first revealed to man for his obedience was the moral law. That was Baptist Catechism, question 45. And then we asked, where is the moral law summarily comprehended? In other words, where is this moral law that we speak of revealed most clearly? Where is it summarized for us? Where can we go and find summary of it. Answer, the moral law is summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments. And that led us in eventually to a study of the Ten Commandments. So as we study each of the Ten Commandments, we should remember that they are a summary of God's moral law. And what is a summary? A summary is a very brief statement or account of the main points of something. When you read a summary of something, you understand that there is more to consider, right? This statement, whatever it is, uh, it's just a little, a little taste of something greater. A summary of a book will do that. A summary of a news article will do that. It, it's a little taste of something, but there's more to consider. And I think it is important for us to remember this regarding the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are a summary of God's moral law. And remembering this should help us to think more deeply about the Ten Commandments. I'm afraid our tendency is to think of them very superficially. So for example, when we think that if we refrain from carving a little figure and bowing down to it, we have kept the Ten Commandments. We've thought about that commandment superficially. Do you understand? Um, No idols, Second Commandment says. Well, what does that mean? As long as I don't take a piece of wood or stone and carve something out of it and then bow down before it to worship it, then I have kept the second commandment. We've learned about the second commandment. Is that really what it requires and forbids? It requires that, but so much more. It forbids that, but so much more. Uh, these, These laws are summaries of God's moral law. We're to think deeply about them. In fact, when we pay careful attention to the rest of Holy Scripture, we see other laws of God that are also moral in nature that elaborate upon the Ten Commandments. They have these ten laws as their their summary, their their source perhaps, but they are 
elaborations upon the Ten Commandments. So we must consider these commandments carefully. We must consider how the rest of Scripture develops these commandments. When we do, we see that indeed these are a summary of God's moral law. The third commandment is, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. And this commandment is often understood very narrowly. Very narrowly. And what do most people assume the third commandment forbids? They assume it forbids using God's name as a swear word, nothing more, nothing less. I think if I were to ask you if what your perception has been of the third commandment, or what it used to be at least, you would probably say, yeah, that's what I thought too. Uh, the third commandment forbids us using God's name as a swear word. But it means more than that, brothers and sisters. And I think our catechism is so helpful. It sets us off in the right direction to help us think about what the third commandment is really uh, requiring of us. In the previous sermons, I told you that the first commandment is concerned with who we worship. The second commandment is concerned with how we worship. And now you are to see that the third commandment is concerned with the attitude of worship. Really what the third commandment is requiring is that we revere God, that we honor His name. We are to worship Him from the heart. That is what the third commandment is requiring of us. So what is required in the third commandment? Again, hear what our catechism says. The third commandment requires the holy and reverent use of God's names, titles, attributes, ordinances, words, and works. That's quite a list, isn't it? We are to have a holy and reverent approach to God in all of these things. To take the name of the Lord is to pick it up and use it. Whenever we use the name of the Lord, whenever we pick it up and use it, we take the name of the Lord. To take something in vain is to pick it up and to use it carelessly and without thought to its significance. And pay careful attention to the way that our catechism directs us to think beyond the formal names of God only. It also tells us that we are to not pick up and use vainly the titles, attributes, ordinances, words, and works of God. All of these things are to be handled with reverential care because they reveal God. We are not to handle any of these things carelessly, thoughtlessly, or vainly. Not only are we to use the name God carefully but also the titles Lord and Father. And when we speak of God, when we talk about His nature and His attributes, we must handle those with caution too, lest we be found misrepresenting God, minimizing Him in our minds or in the minds of others. And His ordinances are also to be taken up with great care. Why? Because they reveal His truth as well. When we come to the Lord's Supper, for example, we are to come with reverence, for God and Christ are here revealed to us. Truth concerning them is revealed to us. We are reconciled to God the Father through faith in Christ who shed His blood for us. That's important truth being revealed to us. Through the Lord's Supper, we're to come with reverence before this ordinance. We're to handle it with great care. Also, we are to handle... His works, 
with great care. This means that we are to even handle His creation with reverence, for the heavens and earth reveal the glory of God. I thought of this application. When you look upon a beautiful sunset, you should do so with reverence. Have you ever thought of that before? When you look upon a beautiful sunset, what are you, what are you gazing upon? You're gazing upon God's creation. And what do we know about God's creation? It declares the glory of God, does it not? Its purpose is to tell us something true about its Maker. And so it is wrong for us even to gaze upon a beautiful sunset and to think nothing of God. When we look upon that sunset, we are, our thoughts are to be t- directed to God, uh, to the God who, who created that thing and who gave it its beauty for a purpose so that we might think upon the beauty and splendor and glory of our Creator, of our Maker. Isn't that interesting to think about? I mean, we're handling here God's work, His, His work even of creation. And all of this also applies to the person and work of Christ. For through His words and works, He has revealed the name of the Father to us. Christ speaks to God in John seventeen six. He's praying to the Father here, saying, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Did you hear what Jesus said there? In His ministry, in His life, in His teaching, He manifested or revealed God's name to those whom God had given Him. And so when the third commandment tells us not to take the name of the Lord in vain, this means that we must even approach Christ with reverence, for Christ revealed the Father to us. And this is why I have said that the third commandment really does have to do with attitude. God alone is to be worshipped, and He is to be worshipped in the right way, that is according to His Word, but He also is to be worshipped with the right attitude. This is what the third commandment is getting at. And so think of our worship. When you come to assemble with the church on the Lord's day, you are indeed coming to worship the one true God. So I guess you are seeking to obey the first commandment, aren't you? And you are doing it in the right way as we worship together in the way that God has prescribed. You're seeking to honor the second commandment too, to to not worship using images, but to worship as God has prescribed in His Word. But you know as well as I do that it is possible to have the wrong attitude in worship. Even though you are worshiping the one true God and you are seeking to do it in the right way, it is sometimes possible to have the wrong attitude in worship. Sometimes we are very distracted. Sometimes we are careless. Sometimes we come to the Lord's table, for example, without thinking of its significance or discerning the sin in our own hearts. We partake in an unworthy manner, to use the language of Paul. The worship is done right, but it is approached in vain by the worshiper. And we are here learning that God demands more of us, brothers and sisters. He wants your heart. He wants your mind. We take the name of the Lord not only when we speak His name with our lips, but any time we engage with Him in His revelation of Himself to us. We take up the name of the Lord. Never should we approach Him or speak of Him in vain, but always with reverential honor and fear. And I want for you to think of this, dear brothers and sisters. You took the name of God upon you in the moment that you believed upon Christ. Do you realize that? You took the name of God upon you in the moment that you believed upon Christ. He adopted you as His own. 
You are now a beloved child of God. You bear His name just like a child bears the name of her parents. And you know that every parent wishes to have the family name honored, don't they? They wish for their children to go out into the world and, and to bring honor to the family name and not shame to the family name. And so it is with God. We are to honor God as His people. We bear His name and we are to take that responsibility, that privilege, seriously. When you go to school, children, you are going to school as a Christian, as a child of God. When you go to work, brother or sister, you go to work as a Christian, as a child of God. You bear His name. And you are to not take that name in vain, but you are to have reverence even as you go out into the world and you represent God to the world around you. So when a Christian lives in sin, he violates the third commandment. This is not just about not using God's name as a swear word, brothers and sisters. This is about taking everything that has to do with God seriously and approaching Him with reverence. When a Christian lives in sin, he violates the third commandment. When a Christian partakes of the Lord's Supper carelessly, she violates the third commandment. When a Christian sits under the ministry of the Word, but pays little attention or has no intention to obey, he violates the third commandment. This commandment is about attitude. It is warning us against the evil of approaching God in all of the ways that He makes Himself known to us, be it through His names, titles, attributes, ordinances, words, or works in a careless and irreverent manner. And so, we are to prepare our hearts for worship, brothers and sisters. We're to come to worship with love for God and reverence in our hearts. We're to prepare our hearts day after day, for we are God's children. We bear His name, and we are to testify to the goodness of His name as we live in His world, through which He makes Himself known. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. That is the call. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father, we know that one thing that happened to us at the beginning of the Christian life um, was that the law of God was written upon our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. This You did for us to bring us to faith in Christ. We are grateful for it. And as Your people, we are asking now that You would engraven that law ever more deeply upon our hearts. It was written on stone for the people of Israel in the days of Moses. What a gift that law was to them. Uh, but You have written it upon the hearts of Your children under the new covenant by the power of the Holy Spirit. Engrave in this law more deeply upon our hearts. Give us the ability to understand what it truly means. Give us the desire to keep it. Give us the ability to keep it. We need Your strength, O Lord. Make us mindful of the fact that we do bear Your name if we are in Christ. And so may we go out into the world and may we represent You well as Your children. Help us in these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen.